Hey, this is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of FE Church, and this is our podcast. All right, well, welcome to Epic Weekend. If it is your first time here, I'm Candace lead pastor here along with my husband who you should have already met on stage here, uh, Aaron. So thank you so much for joining us today. It is an epic weekend, which is something we've done around here for a while now. Uh, we have an evangelist in, you know, there are various gifts that God has given the church. Evangelist is one of them. They speak fire and passion into us as a church. And so we're so grateful to have one with us this morning. This um, amazing couple is passionate about youth ministry, just like we are. I think we're kindred spirits in that. And I hope he gets to tell you a little bit about his ministry. But are you ready? The past couple of weeks have been so good. So fire, right? Are you pumped up? Are you ready? Let's welcome... Evangelist Aaron Holt as he comes. FV fam, what's up? Woo! It is good, 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 good to be back with my, I love to call you just my FV fam, Freedom Valley fam. My wife, Julie, is with me this weekend. It is an epic weekend for sure, right? And uh, so, um, she doesn't often have time in her schedule uh, to travel with me, but this weekend was an exception, and so we uh, came in early and did some uh, antique shopping, my wife's uh, favorite pastime, right? Just, you know, all those special, wonderful treats that you find in antique shops, like life-size cardboard cutouts of Darth Vader. That was the big find. Yesterday, I just looked at that and thought, wow, I just if I only could afford that, that would just be... <laughs> But, um, but my wife is with me, and uh, she's amazing, and we want to meet her, and uh, we'll both be out at our ministry table after the service. We'd love to uh, connect with you, and it's so good to see so many familiar faces, and uh, to be back with Pastor Candice and We love you guys so much. We to share a meal with us. Good times, good times. Look at your neighbor real quick. Talk to him like you like him. Say, neighbor. That doesn't sound like you like him yet. Say, Neighbor. You look so good this morning. Come on. Look at your other neighbor, the one you just completely ignored, who's slightly offended with you. Look at your other neighbor. Say, other neighbor. You're my second choice. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. There, I, I, I have a, one big announcement I need to make since I, because I was with you last year in September, and there has been... Um, an addition to our family since last September. No, uh, my wife and I have achieved grandparent status. Our, our, our first granddaughter, they're going to put a picture of her on the screen. Um, our first granddaughter, I, that's, that's, I don't, something happened to that picture. There she is. There she is. So, uh, she's not an alien. She's a, no, okay. that's what, um, but Heather James, just, just 10 days old today. And uh, she was born last week, so our, our oldest son, uh, Caleb, and his wife, Jess, uh, they live there in Pittsburgh, not far from us. And so um, we're grandparents now, and uh, some of you are probably wondering, what's your grandparent name? I had it all figured out for both of us. I had it all figured out. My wife vetoed it. I think that the, the wife probably gets veto authority in this area of life. And so I was going to be Pop. I wanted her to be Lolly, so together we could be... All the men are like, that's brilliant, actually. 
all the women are like, your wife is a wise, wise woman. She's very wise. So, and, uh, but, uh, so we're, we're just, we're blessed and we're excited and, uh, and just like, woo, wow, I can't believe this. This is crazy. And, um, but God's been good to us. And so Heather James is now a part of the family. And uh, I think we have a picture of our entire family, too. If you've never met our family, uh, of course, this doesn't have Heather in it. But there, there's the whole clan. My son, Caleb, beside my uh, my wife, Julie, and his wife, Jess. I'm the good-looking bald guy in the middle, if you just, in case, yeah, it's just you didn't put that together yet. And then our two daughters, Emma, beside me. She's a sophomore uh, in college this year. And then Ellie. Uh, at the far left of the picture there is, uh, our, is our baby now, and she's a junior in high school. And so that's the whole clan, and we live in Pittsburgh. Go Steelers. Let's make it a good season, right? And, uh, yeah, and so, uh, man, just excited to be back. Pastor Candace, uh, Aaron, thanks for the invite to come back and, and join you guys um, and uh, be, be back here in, uh, in FV fam land, right? So we've been traveling quite a bit, um, even through COVID. This summer, we were crazy busy and doing camps all over the place. Uh, Pastor Candace mentioned that um, we have a huge heart for youth ministry, and we do. And so I do a lot of camps in the summer. Uh, in, in May, we had uh, one of our annual conferences that we have done for years called Lead the Generation Conference. This the last two years has been completely online uh, because of COVID. God's really kind of opened up some unique doors for us because of going online for the last two years. Our conference this year reached into 29 different countries, right, which is just mind-blowing to us. And uh, and your church, uh, you as a family, you've been such a big part and big supporters of Lead the Generation for so many years now. And so thank you. You're making a difference uh, in your giving, and you're making a difference when you support the ministry here and uh, ministries like ours that are connected with you. And so uh, excited to be with you um, uh, on this morning. But I was, uh, I was thinking as I, the word I want to bring to you today, I was, I was, um, I was traveling a couple months ago. I was down in, in Missouri, which I understand to be Pastor Candace is one of her favorite states. And, uh, I was down in Missouri and I had a, a busy week of travel, like, like, like different places each day. And so I was in and out of different hotels each, each, each day for like three days in a row. And so I, I get into like the third hotel of three days of traveling back to back and I'm tired um, and this is kind of when things are still shut down a little bit. And so everyone's wearing masks and all this stuff. And I'm just, I need to get in. And I just want to like get in, check in, get to the room, rest a little bit. And then I got to go speak at this event that night. And so um, I, I walk into the hotel and and um, the clerk comes behind the desk and he's wearing a mask. I'm wearing a mask. There's like the plexiglass in between us, you know, all this stuff. And um, so he's like, you checking in? I'm like, yeah, checking in. He's like, what's your name? I said, my name's Aaron. Um, but the, the reservation for the hotel was under the name Ryan. Uh, he's the one who booked the hotel for, for me. He's, you know, covering all my expenses and, and, um, I'm his guest and everything. He's like, okay, yeah, I got it right here. It's all great. And he's clicking away and pressing buttons and doing all this stuff. And I'm, I'm kind of anxious. I'm, I'm a little tired. I'm a little grouchy. I'm, you know, like not in the best mood. And he's a little slow. And I'm kind of like thinking, come on, hurry up, girl. Let's go. And, and, um, and so finally he looks up and he's like, all right. He's like, we're all good. He's like, I just need you to, uh, give me your credit card and pay for the room. And I'm like, Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not paying for the room. Ryan's paying for the room. Um, I'm, I'm his guest. And he's like, and he says to me, he's like, well, you didn't tell me that. And I'm like, oh, um, Ryan's paying for the room. <laughs> like, and, and, and he's like, yeah, but it's too late now. And I'm like, well, I, I'm sorry. What do you mean it's too late? now? He's like, well, it's too late now. You didn't tell me. You should have told me that up front. You didn't tell me that up front. And now it's too late. And now I already went too far on my computer screen. And so now I can't go back. And I can't, I can't charge Ryan's credit card. So now you have to pay for the room. 
And I, I'm like, I'm again, I'm not in the best mood here, and I probably could have handled it better. But like, I, and so I just looked at the guy. I, was, I don't know why I even said it, but I just said to him, I was like, you know, it kind of sounds to me like um, it's my fault that you pressed the wrong buttons on your computer screen. And I don't know why I should have said that. I, I admit, like, I shouldn't have said it. And he, and in, in that moment, it just kind of escalated. He just kind of looked at me, and he was, and I could tell with his eyes, he's looking at me like it's on, like Donkey Kong right now, like it is, it is on. And he's just, and he, and he just dug in. And he was just like, well, you should have told me that up front. And because you didn't tell me that, I don't have, I don't have Ryan's credit card information. I don't even have Ryan's name. I don't even know who Ryan is. Is Ryan even a person? He's just going on this tangent. I'm just, and he's like, do you know Ryan? Do you have Ryan's number? I'm like, yeah, I do. And we're going back and forth and back and forth. And this whole thing is escalating out of control and so and so uh finally we get ryan on the phone we get the credit card we get it all straightened out i'm like i'm almost done now like this I'm, i can see the key card like coming across to me and i don't know why i don't i don't know why i said it i don't know jesus forgive me but i just i just looked at the guy because this whole thing was and i just said to him i don't know why i asked the question i just i looked at him i'm like just to confirm just to confirm like all of this like all of this issue just to confirm this is all my fault i don't know why i asked the question he looked at me, he just, he just looked at me, he's like, confirmed. <laughs> the spirit of Karate Kid came over me. I mean, I, I, mean, I felt my, I mean, I was just ready, I'm, I'm thinking like, I'm just, I'm like, you did not, you just, you just, I just like confirmed. Look at your neighbor, just say confirmed, right? I mean, I just, I'm thinking, you did not, I, just, I am so upset at this point. I grab the key and I, I just leave. I'm, I can't even imagine. I'm just thinking, I can't believe this dude just did this. I can't even talk right now. I'm so mad about it, thinking about it. And, and so I leave. I come back later, right? I'm coming back later. I'm, and now I'm even more exhausted and I'm driving up to the hotel and all of a sudden it hits me that I was so upset about everything that happened a couple hours ago and I'm so tired now and I've been in three different hotel rooms over the last three nights that I can't even remember the room number that I'm staying in now. And I'm thinking to myself, if I have to go talk to Mr. Confirmed <laughs> to figure out what room I'm in, like, I just, I, I'm like, I'm not doing, and I'm thinking like, Jesus, just please let him be off shift right now. Just please. Like, and, and so I walk in, I'm like kind of almost walking in like this. I walk in and he's right there. He's, it's almost like he was waiting for me. Like he knew. I was going to come back, and, and I walk in, and he's like, hey, dude, and I'm like, oh, no, here we go again, and, and I walk, I'm like, I'm like, hey, 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 I don't even know what to say at this point, it's just kind of awkward, you know, and it's like, it's like we just broke up, and now we're trying to talk or something, I'm like, <laughs> and, and he was just, he says to me, he's like, hey, man, hey, I just, I just wanted to apologize, man, I, I was, I was, I was, I was kind of a jerk to you earlier this afternoon, like, I, I put, I could have handled that situation so better, I was, I was really kind of way out of line, and Everything inside of me resisted the urge just to look at him and say, confirmed. <laughs> I mean, it would have been so appropriate at this point, you know? And then now I'm trying to make small talk and he's like, he, I'm, like I'm like, you know, can I grab a bottle of water? He's like, yeah, I'll build it to your room. What's your room number? About that, actually. Because, because my thought at this point was, I, I will put this key card in every door of this hotel room. If I, I mean, I'm just thinking like, I, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. Now, I don't know why we do this. Maybe, maybe you've done this before. But why do we sometimes in life ask questions to situations where we already know the answer? Do you ever do this? Right? You just feel like, I, I don't know why I'm even asking. I'm not even sure. I don't need to ask my wife if she needs Dunkin' Donuts coffee in the morning. I don't need to ask her that. There's, I mean, that's just a yes, right? If you're a young person in the room, you don't ever need to ask your mom questions like, would you like me to clean the room, clean the kitchen, do the dishes, take out the trash, brush my teeth? Like, mom, do you want me to do that? No, that she, the answer will always be confirmed. Yeah, just, just do it. 
It's always confirmed. We do this all the time. In life, we ask questions we ought to know the answers to. Are dogs better than cats? Confirmed. Like, we know this. You know me. We've already talked about this, right? We, we just, we understand these, you know? Like, like it's just confirmed. Is, is Chick-fil-A God's chicken? Yes, absolutely. This is, this is, is country music really music? No, it's not. Like, don't ask, don't ask these. These are just silly questions. Right? We do this all the time, right? And I've, I've come to realize, maybe this is true for you too, I've come to realize that, that even in my relationship with God and, and, and in my understanding of God's word, there are times where I ask questions I don't really need to ask. Like, Jesus, would you like me to pray more? Uh, confirmed. <laughs> Do you really want me to give generously to my church? Confirmed, yeah, yeah. Do you really want me to, you know, to, to reach out to my friend? Confirmed. I mean, it's just the things we, but we come back, we, 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 we tend to try to enter into negotiations at times with certain parts of God's will that we feel are undefined when it's been clearly spelled out for us in his, in his word. Right? We, we, the, the disciples did this. Like, like if, if you find yourself like, yep, that's me, confirmed. Yeah, you're talking to me, confirmed. <laughs> um, they, know that you're in good company because the disciples did this too. Let me, I'm going to point you just to one chapter in the Bible where you can find kind of some instances of where the disciples are, are, are having these kind of conversations with Jesus. Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. Grab your Bible, turn there with me. And, and we're going to dial in on verses 22 to right around 32, 33 today. But let me set the scene for you. Let me set the context for you real quick. And then, and then we'll read together, uh, starting at verse 22. So in Matthew 14, right at the beginning of the chapter, Jesus gets bad news. And the bad news Jesus gets is that his cousin, John the Baptist, an, an evangelist during New Testament time frame, right? During, during this area of history, uh, John the Baptist has not only been captured, but he's been beheaded. He's, he's, he's one of the first martyrs of, of the faith, so to speak, right? And so Jesus, having a great personal relationship with, with John, the text says that Jesus wants to kind of get away. I, uh, he wants to grieve. He wants to process. He wants to pray through this loss. Um, pause here for a second. I love, I love the humanity of Scripture, like, don't ever read God's word and read it without understanding humanity and human emotion. Jesus himself, fully God, yet fully man, is grieving the loss of a friend here. And he, he wants to pull away. He's, Jesus himself is going through what you and I would call a storm or a difficult time or, or a hard season, right? And he wants to pull away. And, and as he pulls away, crowds of people find him. And when we get to verse 13, we, we, we come to the beginning of the story that you and I know so well, the feeding of the 5,000, right? Now, if you don't know the story, I'll just give you the cliff notes, like the spark notes version of it real quick, right? So Jesus wants to get away. He can't. There's crowds of people. He begins to teach them. He begins to preach. He begins to preach and teach so long that now it's gone into the late afternoon, into the early evening time frame, and the disciples come to Jesus, and they're like, Jesus, let everybody go away. You, you need to stop preaching. Let everybody go away so that they can go into a neighboring town and they can get some food. You can read all this in the text. I'm just paraphrasing it for the sake of time. Jesus says to the disciples, no, 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 no. You feed them. What do you have? Now, here, here's, here's an example. Here's an example where the disciples are like, wait, what did you say? Right? Jesus is like, you feed them. Just, just pull, pull something together. Just, you know, make some PB&J or something like that. Just, you know, what do you, what do you have? And, and the disciples are like, all we have is like a Lunchable. That's it. Like we got like... We have like one chicken nugget meal from Chick-fil-A, like the eight count, and we only have one Chick-fil-A sauce, and that's not even enough for one person, right? 
Um, and, and Jesus here is like, no, 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 you feed them. Now, this is how, if I could, if I could paraphrase the entire chapter, I almost see the conversation with, with Jesus and the disciples saying like, going like this, like, like the disciples are saying to Jesus, okay, I, um, Jesus, just to confirm, <laughs> you would like us to spread out our lunchable among 5,000 people. It was probably closer to 10 because, because culturally they only counted the men. And so then you add all the women and all the children and you probably got 10 or 15,000 or more. And Jesus was like, yeah, that sounds good. Split up the lunchable. They know the five loaves, the two fish that the little boy brought in his lunch, split it up, right? This is the beginning of miracle number 19. Now that's important. We're going to come back to that. But at this point, the disciples have been with Jesus throughout all of what we know to be the, the New Testament at this point, or Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? And at this point, the disciples have already witnessed 18 other miracles take place. Blind eyes open, deaf ears open, uh, a, a young girl being raised from the dead, um, demons being cast out of people. So they've seen, they've experienced all of the signs and wonders, all of the supernatural, all of the miraculous. They get to the feeding of the 5,000. This is miracle number 19, one would think, at this point, you just take Jesus for his word, right? Like Jesus said it, you just do it. Like you don't even think about it anymore. Like, it's not even a question. Like, I'm not, I'm not negotiating this. I'm not discussing this. I'm not asking why or how or what or when. I don't even need to know the details, Jesus. I don't, you know, like, like it, it, one would think that the disciples would be like, okay, cool, let's feed everybody. Time for miracle number 19. Sounds great. Let's do it. Cool, we got a Lunchable. Split it up, guys. I'm sure it's going to work. I don't know how it's going to work. Jesus said do it, so I'm just going to do it. At, at what point do the disciples finally get to that place where they don't question everything that Jesus says to them or puts them through? It's really a good question for you and I to wrestle with. Like, at what point do you and I finally get to a point in our faith where we just say, it's cool, I don't understand it. Jesus said it, I'm good. Doesn't, it doesn't even matter. I just have faith. I'm just, I put myself out. I don't have, it doesn't all have to make sense to me, but the disciples are still stuck in this place where, where they're like, I, I don't know. I got to ask questions. And so they do. And then Jesus gives them this instruction, right? In verse 22, right? Verse 22. And now follow along with me. Let me read the text to you because this is where I really want to dial in for the next couple minutes. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat. This is after they fed the 5,000. This is after they picked up 12 baskets of leftovers, right? right? He made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed the crowd, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. So there's Jesus. He's still, from the beginning of the chapter, even to this point, he's still been trying to get away, spend some time grieving and processing the loss of his cousin John. Verse 24 or at the end of verse 23. When the evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from land. One text says it might have been as much as two or three miles across the lake at this point, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. So there's a storm going on here, right? There, this isn't just like, like a smooth, you know, glassy, smooth body of water in the middle of the night. There's a storm happening here. And, and probably not that big of a deal because they're fishermen, so they're used to this. But apparently, when you read through the text, it's, it's a strong enough storm that they're like, I'm worried about this. Verse 25, during the fourth watch of the night, so roughly three to six in the morning time frame, during the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. 
It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus said immediately to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat. He walked on the water and he came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and he began to sink and he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, Jesus said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And then those who were in the boat worshiped Jesus, saying, truly, you are the son of God. Now, now, this is this is a fascinating text here. Because to, to our knowledge, historically, this is the first time that anyone has ever walked on water, namely Jesus. And it's also maybe the first time that anyone has attempted to walk on water like Jesus was doing in, the, in, in, in Peter, right? Now, this is interesting. Okay, 19 miracles. Remember the context. 19 miracles have taken place. Jesus has sent them into the boat. He said, you guys get in the boat. Um, you go, ahead, go on ahead of me, cross the lake, go to the other side of the region, right? I'll roll up on you later, which the, at this point, the disciples are like, I'm not even going to ask Jesus how he's going to get there. Like, I don't know. He's probably got it figured out. We're going to be in a boat. Who knows how Jesus is going to catch up with us? But he says he's going to catch up with us. And in the middle of the night, Jesus comes walking on the water. And initially, all of the disciples are afraid. Now, this is wild to me. You, you've spent how long with Jesus at this point? About a year and a half, two years, walking with him 24-7. You've seen how many miracles take place? 19 that, that are at least recorded, probably more that didn't even make it into the Gospels. All of this has happened. And then when Jesus starts walking on your water, you're like, oh, who that? <laughs> What's going on? Right? I mean, fear will make you do crazy things. I mean, fear will make you see things that aren't there, and fear will make you misunderstand things, and fear will, fear will make you look at situations the way that you shouldn't look, look at situations, right? Listen, when you're in a storm, you're, when, when you're living through a difficult situation, be really, really careful how you interpret your storm. Because when you're in the middle of the storm and you're full of fear like the disciples are, you might misinterpret where Jesus is at in the context of your storm or your situation. They, mis they misinterpret who Jesus is. Initially, they think he's a ghost. When my wife and I first got married, uh, I might have told this story years ago here. I, I, don't, I don't remember. But my wife and I first got married. We were living on the north side in Pittsburgh. We had this little second floor apartment. And, and we're newlyweds. It's our first year of marriage. And, and I, I woke up in the middle of the night, um, this one night, and Julie, she's on that side of the bed. I woke up in the middle of the night, and I, this is what I hear. I hear, Jesus, 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 Jesus. I'm a newlywed. I don't know what's going on. My first thought is, oh my goodness, this woman is so spiritual. She prays in her sleep. <laughs> and I'm thinking, like, I don't know if I can live up to this standard. Like, I don't know. Like, I just, then, then I realized, like, she's actually afraid, and that's what's going on. And so I just kind of, I kind of rolled over, and I was like, hey, baby, what's up? You are, what's going on, baby? What's happening? You okay? I'm kind of whispering. And she's, and she says, she's like, there's a man, there's a man, there's a man in the room. I'm like, I know, baby, I'm right here. <laughs> like, I'm a man, right? <laughs> she's like, no, no, there's another man in the room. I'm, I'm a newlywed. I'm, it's the middle of the night. I'm confused. I'm like, I'm like, baby, that's not how marriage works. There's not, there's not supposed to be two men. It's just me. I was just, I, it's just, why is there another man in the room? Then I realized like, oh my goodness, like she's saying there's another man in the room. Like, and then I'm like, I got to be the man. I got to do something about the other man in the room. And I'm like, now I'm afraid. I just grab the sheets and I put them on my head. I'm like, Jesus, Jesus. I'm thinking if it worked for her, right? And that, then she's like, what do you do? And I'm like, there's a man, there's a man, there's a man in the room. <laughs> She's like, at this point, she has fully woken up, and she's like, you're an idiot. That's what, I'm sorry, I had a bad dream. There was no other man in the room. I'm not sure there is a man in the room at this point. Uh, 
I'm just saying, like, fear makes you see things incorrectly. And Peter here steps out, and he was always kind of the outspoken one. Peter was always kind of the flamboyant personality. He was always kind of like the, like, like I don't know, he's like the really super strong Enneagram 8, or, you know, somewhere in there. Like, he's just like way, like the, the guy who just always opens his mouth and, and talks way before he ever thinks about anything. Some of you look at your neighbor right now and say, he's talking about you right now. That's, this is, this is for you. Um, and so Peter apparently the leader of the crew here, and, and we know historically from, from studying all of these texts that Peter most likely is significantly older than the rest of the disciples, at least by several years. Might might even be married at this point, and maybe the others aren't, right? And so he is kind of like the, the self-proclaimed leader of the pack of disciples, so to speak, right, right behind Jesus. And so Peter decides, I'm going to take control of this situation. And so Peter steps up, and he was like, hey, Jesus, if it's you, right, if it's you, Tell me to come walk on the water. So Peter wants to do an identity check on Jesus. Like, let's just make sure that it's really you. And so we're going to need you to kind of prove yourself that you really are Jesus. Now, I'm not just going to pause you for a second because I know sometimes you and I read the Bible and we've read it over and over and over again. So stuff doesn't jump out at us. But this is what I'm thinking. If I'm reading this text for the very first time, this is what I'm thinking. Why would you choose that of all the ways to prove Jesus' identity? I mean, seriously, Jesus, if it's really you, tell me to walk on water. There's so many other great questions you could have asked Peter. Like, Peter, you could have asked, like, Jesus, like, if it's really you, like, like, what song did I sing to you on your birthday? Just go Buddy the Elf, right? Just classic, right? You know, just, just, you know, like, like, Jesus, if it's really you, like, like, how many Chick-fil-A chicken nuggets were really in that little boy's lunch that we just passed out to everybody? What's the last miracle? You, there's so many other ways that Peter could have confirmed Jesus' identity. But no, what he says is, Jesus, if it's really you, then tell me to come walk on water. Now, the text doesn't say this. This is conjecture at best on my part. But just follow me, because it kind of logically makes sense. And this is the question I'm asking. What was Jesus thinking when Peter said, tell me to walk on water? Like, I, I'm just like, in, in my head, as I, as I think about this text, I just think that Jesus must have been thinking something like, wow, Peter... You're different, Peter. Like, that's different, right? And, I'm, and, and you know how things happen really fast? You know, like, like, there's probably a lot of chatter going on in the boat. Like, if I'm one of the other disciples and Peter's saying, Jesus, tell me to walk on water. I'm like, dude, sit down. Yeah. Bro, what's wrong with you? You're making the rest of us look bad. We're over here, like, hanging on for, I mean, you're just like, you know. And, 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 and so to, to use a phrase that... That, that we use in our culture today, and it ties in with this series on different that you guys have been in the last couple of weeks. Um, I, I almost think that, that this is a moment where Jesus could have been thinking, oh, Peter, you, you're, you're different. Peter, you're built different. There's something different about you. Look at your neighbor and say, you're built different. Yeah, now, now that can mean a lot of different things in our culture, but today we mean it as a compliment. So look at your other neighbor and say, you're built different too, right? Okay, right, and, and for all you husbands that just said it to your wives, it's okay, it's all right, you didn't, okay, so, so, so I want to talk about three things from the text here that I think sets Peter apart. I want to talk about three things from the text here that I think set you and I apart as people that are followers of Christ, things that make us uh, built different. Say it again, say, I'm built different. I'm built different. Say it, say, come on, say it like you actually believe it, though. I'm built different. Okay, so, so let, me, let, me, let me give you the first one here. The first one is this. Like, we're, we're built to believe differently. We're built to believe differently. Peter really sets himself apart from all the other disciples in this particular text. 
because Peter must believe something different than what the rest of the guys believe. There's 12 dudes in the boat. Peter's the only one who even suggests, Jesus, I'd like to walk on water. Jesus, I'd like to be like you. It, Jesus, if you're doing it, then I would like to do it. So there's something about Peter and the way he sees this situation and ultimately what he believes about himself that, that would say to me, Peter's built different. He believes differently. He's built to believe differently. You know, all the other guys had the same chance that Peter had, didn't they? You know, they all could have raised their hands. Me next, you know. No, but, but, but Peter here basically says, no, Jesus, like, if it's really you, if it's really you, then tell me to come walk on the water. That takes a different belief system, doesn't it? That, that takes a different belief system in Peter, in who he sees Jesus and how he perceives Jesus and what he believes about Jesus. And it also takes a different belief system in what Peter believes about himself, right? Now, now think about this for a second. It's just going to kind of walk with me through this, this little, little logical progression here, right? right? There's 12 dudes in the boat. 11 of them apparently are looking at Jesus and thinking, that's Jesus. Only Jesus can do what Jesus does. But there's one dude in the boat named Peter who says, that's Jesus. And if Jesus can do it, then maybe I can do it as well. That's a different, that's a completely um, uh, like different belief system here we're talking about. You have 11 guys in the boat that are saying things like, I could never do that. I wouldn't even try to do that. I, 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 there's no way that I can do that. I, I don't even know how to swim. I don't even have my swimmies with me. Like, I can't, like, you know, but, but then there's one dude in the boat who's just like, if I see Jesus doing that, then I believe there's probably something different about me that would allow me to do what Jesus is doing. Now, now listen to me. You're going to find, your, and we're all find ourselves as a church world, we find ourselves in the situation we're in now for a year and a half of being, you know, in COVID and being in this pandemic. But outside of that, you and I as followers of Christ, for those of you in the room, for those of you watching online, for those of you that, that would say, I identify as a follower of Christ, there should be something very different about what you and I believe. There should be something very different about the way that we see ourselves in relation to the world, the way we see ourselves in relation to our friends in the boat with us, right? Something very different in, in how we see ourselves in relation to, to God and who God wants us to be. And, and, and what we've done for years in the church world and all, and all of my teenagers in the house and all my young people in the house, what we've done for years is we've allowed the labels of others to produce limitations in our lives. And we've allowed our loyalty to our friendships to create limitations in, in who we are and how we can become. I just say this to you, just speak this word of you. Don't ever allow your loyalty to your friends to create limitations in your life, especially when it comes to your relationship with God. Young people, don't ever allow your loyalty to your friends to create limitations in your life and in your relationship with God. And don't ever allow labels that are put on you to create limitations in your life as well. Again, I can only imagine the other disciples are like, when Peter says, Jesus, if it's really you, tell me to come walk on the water. Other dudes are like, Peter, shut up. Sit at Peter, you're making us look bad. Peter, just bro, just take it, just relax. Peter, you do this all the time. You're always trying to front. You're always throwing shade on the rest of us. You're always making us look bad. Peter, just relax. You're not going to do that. You can't be like Jesus. And Peter's like, no, 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 no. No, I, I love you guys. I'm not any better than you guys. I just think that I'm, I'm built different. I just see the situation. I just believe differently about myself. 
listen, listen to me, listen to me, friend. I got to remind. I need to remind you of something and, and of what what God's word says about you and I. What God's word does not say about you and I. There is nowhere in this entire Bible where God's people, you and I, are described with words like plain, average, par, normal, blend into culture. The Bible never describes us that way. The Bible uses words like we're different, we're chosen, we're anointed, we're salt, we're light, we're the head, not the tail, we're above, never below. Listen, you and I have to choose, like Peter did, to believe what God has spoken over us in his word. Everything in our culture will tell us the opposite, though. Your friendship groups will tell you the opposite. Your family sometimes will tell you the opposite, right? Your schoolmates will tell you the opposite. Your, your work associates will tell you the opposite. That's why you and I have to keep going back to God's word and saying, yeah, but what does God's word say about me? He says, I'm, I'm different. He says, I'm a chosen generation. He, say, he says that I'm set apart. He says there's something different. I'm built to believe different. This is so important. This is so important. Because so Paul said it like this in Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. What did he say? He said, you'll be transformed by the renewing of your mind so so that listen that that that's the bible's way of saying there are times in your life and times in my life where i need a bit of a holy brainwashing and 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 i need god to help me begin to believe about myself what he believes about me and spoke in his word why is this important because you and i will always behave in a way that's consistent with how we see ourselves Someone needs to write that down because this is prophetically over your life. You, you, are, you are living out and you are behaving in a way that's consistent with what you believe about yourself. I just always thought I was just kind of normal. I just always thought I just kind of blend in. I just always thought I was maybe kind of weird. I just always thought that maybe I was just different. You know what I mean? I just like I don't really have a lot to offer. I just always kind of thought my role was to be the guy sitting in the back of the boat. You know, and I'm just kind of chilling, just kind of hanging on by. That's not what God's word says. God's, God's word says that you're called to make a difference. God's word says that you're, that you're called to be a son and a daughter of the most high God. You're called to be a priest. You're called to be a king. God's word says that, that what I believe about myself should be in alignment with what God believes about me. And so, so there, there are seasons in our life where the Holy Spirit is trying to do a, a bit, like I said it before, a bit of a holy brainwashing because God knows that in order for you and I to live out what he wants us to live out like Peter was doing, we have to begin to believe what he's already spoken of us. We have to begin to see ourselves the way that God sees us so that we can begin to act the way that God intends for us to act. It starts with our belief. Peter's different. See, some of you... Some of you have held on. I don't, I don't know who this is for. Maybe this is for someone online. Maybe this is for someone right in the room. Maybe it's for a couple people. Some of you have held on far too long to the labels that other people have placed on you. You'll never make it. You're going to be a failure. You're never going to accomplish much. You're too weird. You're too, you're too awkward. You're, you're socially weird. You don't fit in. You've held on to those labels. And as a result, that belief system in you is contrary to what God says of you. This is why I said to you a moment ago, you, you, have, you and I have to choose to resist our loyalty to the labels that other people have put on us that will create limitations in our life. Let me just, let me just speak this over your life real quick. Because 
for some of you, you're just like, I don't know. I'm just kind of weird. I'm just kind of awkward. Listen, your weirdness as you perceive it, your awkwardness as you perceive it, your uniqueness as you perceive it, right? Your uniqueness will always feel like awkwardness until one day God brings you into a season where he shows you its relevance. And there will be a moment in your life where it will all come together and you'll realize, wow, this is why God made me. For Peter, it was, wow, this is why God made me to just speak, speak before I thought about, wow, this is why God put me in the role that he put me in. This is why I'm a disciple of Christ. Listen, there's something about you that's unique and that's different. I'm going to just speak this prophetically over your life and over your house, FV fam now, right? There's something different about your church. There's a different anointing on you. There's a different presence on you. There's a different way that you approach ministry and you approach ministering to this community. And, and others might perceive it as weird. And they might perceive it as awkward. And they might perceive it as different. But the Holy Spirit would say, no, I built you that way, FV fam. I built you that way, Candace and Aaron. I made you different. And where you perceive you have gaps in your leadership, that's not a gap. That's an anointed omission from your life. I didn't put in you what I knew you would never need to fulfill the mission that I put on you. You, you have to embrace it. You have to say, I'm built different. I'm built to believe differently. Let me, let me give you two more. These, these ones will be a little shorter, right? Because, because the next one is, if you're built to believe differently, then what did I say a minute ago? I said, I said you will always behave in a way that is in alignment with what you believe. So here's the second point. You're built to not just believe differently, but you're built to behave differently. You're built to behave differently. So we'll go back to the text, verse 27. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it's I, don't be afraid. Verse 28, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Verse 29, Jesus said, come. Let's just pause here for a second. If I'm Peter, and I just asked Jesus if I could walk on water, And his answer to me is, come. I'm going to need a little more information before I step out that boat. <laughs> come on, just be real. Real talk, real quick. I mean, just real talk. Like, like, like I'm going to, like, 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 can I get, like, a, can I get, like, a YouTube tutorial video on water walking here? Um, can I get, like, a three-step program? Um, like, do I need to borrow John's swimmies, you know? Do I, do, like, should I, should I tie a rope off around before I, like, I'm going to need a little... You ever send, you ever do this, you ever, you ever, all your parents probably will feel this right here, but you ever like send, send like a friend, or if you're a parent of a teenager, you send like your teenager, you send them like this, um, this, a text message, right, with a whole bunch of questions, right, and you kind of need some answers, you need a little bit of like specific answers, and, and this is kind of like one of those long text messages, right, um, and, and so you send it to them, and then they just, they hit you back with, okay, <laughs> you ever have, have this, and you're like, no, no, you didn't, you didn't even answer the questions. Like, like they give you like a thumbs up emoji and you're like, no, or, or, or worse yet, they have read receipts on and they just left you on red. Right. And you're just like, I need some information here to my questions. This is how I would be if I'm Peter and I want to walk on water. I want to take a massive step of faith. I want to jump out of this boat in the middle of a storm. And I ask Jesus and he just says, come, come really Jesus. One word. Jesus, I'm about to do something that no other human being to our knowledge has ever done in this world. And you're going to say, come? You're going to give me thumbs up emoji. That's all I got to work with. That's it. That's it. Here, here's, here's the, but here's the question that you and I need to wrestle with and we need to pray through. When Jesus says, come to you, is that enough? 
Is that enough for you? Is that enough for me? Is it enough if Jesus just says, come? Is it enough if Jesus ignores all of your other questions? And he just says, come. Is it enough if you said, but Jesus, I need to know this, and I have to have a plan for this, and I, I got to understand, and, he, tick, 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 and I, got, I, just, I need to work through all these details, right? Jesus, I really just feel like I'm, I, I'm a deserved a little bit of an explanation here. And this, see, this is what we do. This is when you and I begin to ask questions that God has already given us answers for in his word. Jesus, I need to understand how you're going to provide. No, you don't. I just told you I was going to provide for you. But Jesus, I need to understand whether when I step out of the boat, I, I need to understand, are you really going to be with me? No, I've already answered that question. I told you I will be with you always to the ends of the earth. I don't have to answer that question for you. Jesus, do you, Jesus, if it's really you, do you really want me just to confirm? Do you want me to walk on water? Confirmed. <laughs> just, it's just, he just says, come. No, 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 it's just interesting here because if I scroll back 10 chapters in Matthew, I'm in Matthew chapter 4. And in Matthew chapter 4, Peter is yet to be a disciple, but he's tending to his nets on the side of the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus walks by, and Jesus has this conversation with Peter that sounds like this. He says, come, and I will make you fishers of men. Come, drop your, sorry, I mean, say the whole thing. Come, drop your nets, and I will make you fishers of men. A little bit more detail there at that point in Peter's life. But now, 10 chapters later, and a couple, uh, maybe a couple years in, and 19 miracles in, now Jesus wants Peter to be at the point in his behavior where Jesus just has to simply say, come. That's what he wants for you. That's what he wants for FB Church. That's what he wants for every one of you students. That's what he wants for every one of us adults in the room. He, he wants us to grow and mature in our faith to the point where I don't need come drop your nets Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. A little bit of a life plan there. Now, I just need Jesus to say, come. I don't need life coordinates. I don't need a life coach. I don't need a GPS for every step I'm going to take and everywhere I'm going to go. I just simply need Jesus to speak the word. Come and sign me up. I'm out of the boat, Jesus. I was already halfway out. Jesus, you had me at come, right? You had me right there in that moment. Is his come enough for you? I gotta be honest. For sometimes, sometimes for me, it's not enough. Sometimes for me, it's like, well, I just, I just need a little bit of an explanation here. I just got a couple questions. If we could just work through this and just come, give me some multiple choice, maybe some true or false things here. Just, I mean, Jesus, I'm gonna send you my scantron. If you could just kind of fill in the little, and just, you know, and and, and I, I think there are intentionally are times in your life, and sometimes even in the life of a church, in a church community like this, where Jesus says, no, 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 I'm just gonna give you one word. Why does he do that? There's probably a lot of reasons, but the one that jumps out to me is that there are many times in our life where Jesus wants us to learn to place more value in who said the word come, not what word was actually said. See, the, the authority in my life as a believer doesn't come from details and destinations, the authority in my life as a believer doesn't come from me understanding every twist and turn in the road in which, in which I'm following in this thing called life. The authority in my life as a believer comes from one person and from the voice of one man, Jesus Christ himself. And so ultimately what Peter perceives here, and the reason why I would say he's built to believe differently and he's built to behave differently, is Peter ultimately, translation for you, Peter ultimately is saying this. I don't need to know how, I don't need to know when, I don't need to know what's going to happen or how long it's going to take place. All I need to know is who said it. And if that word came from the mouth of Jesus, the one who has all authority in my life, then sign me up. 
Get me out of the boat. I don't need to be in the safe place where my feet find their foundation on this world. Put me out on the water where my feet find themselves founded in faith in who said it. He says, come. I'm good. I, I, was, I was 18 years old. I was on a mission trip. And uh, we were in Krasnoyarsk, Siberia. Um, this was in the early 90s. This was, this was right after, about a year or so after communism had fallen. And, and, and the, the former, at that point, you know, Soviet Union had begun to open up their doors to where missionary groups could actually travel into the country. And so we had, had made our way all the way into Krasnoyarsk, Siberia. And, uh, and we were doing presentations and giving out uh, the gospel giving out the, 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 the book of hope, they called it. It was the first four books of the gospel all put together, right? And so we'd go into these schools and we would do a presentation. And, and one day um, we split the team up. There's about 50 of us. We split the team up and there was just me and two others that went to one particular school. And we just went from classroom to classroom to classroom and we would do a presentation. And so we were, we were, we were doing a presentation for a group of high schoolers. And um, after we were done, um, the teacher who had been watching and listening to the entire presentation, she pulled me aside and she said, she said, in, in just shortening the story, but kind of paraphrasing what, what took place, she basically said this to me. If you believe what you just taught my students, then come down the hall with me. There's a young girl named Olga who's sick and can't stand up. She's crippled. And if you really believe what you just told me, then you go heal her. I'm like, uh... Can I get some swimmies? Life preserver, life jacket. Anyone else in the boat want to go? <laughs> so off we go, jumping out of the boat. And, and I walk into this room with this teacher and, and two members of our team. And there's this young girl. She's sitting in the corner and she's crying. She's in pain. She can't stand up. She's seated. Her back is all kind of, you know, hunched over. She had some form of multiple sclerosis. We found out afterwards. And, and the teacher said, here she is. You pray, you heal her. Right, and I, I just, whew, okay. You know, I'm talking about jumping out of the boat here. Like I'm scared. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I, I, I would love to tell you that I was a man of faith, and I was like, in the name. I mean, I'm like, I was just like, oh, oh. I mean, I'm trembling. I'm, I'm afraid. And we begin to to pray with this young girl. And as we begin to pray, she just begins to sob. She just begins crying. And, and I'm, I'm not exactly sure. What, I mean, I could feel the presence of God there. I knew, I knew something is happening. I could see something was happening. And when we got done praying with her, she, she says, when you begin to pray, I begin to feel this warm sensation come down through my back all the way through my legs. Right? And, and, she, and she says, I think, I think I should try to stand up. And I'm, I'm, I mean, again, I wish I could tell you, like, I'm this massive man of faith. And I was, just, I, I wanted to be like, I'm like, oh, no, it's okay. You just, you, you just say, I was just rubbing your back. That's why it felt warm. You know, like, I didn't say that, but that's what I was thinking. Like, come on, I'm just being real. Y'all, you all know exactly how it feels. Someone says, pray for me to be healed. And you do one of those hit and run prayers, right? Jesus, touch him. All right, cool. Say, let me know. Well, uh, just shoot me a text of that. You know, you know what I mean? Like. Right? I mean, and she's just like, I think, I think I should, I think she had more faith than I did, in all honesty, at this point, right? And I mean, she, and she stood up, and she almost straight, not perfectly healed, almost straight, and I mean, I'm, now we're all crying, and now I'm, I'm feeling like, man, we stepped out of the boat, because why? We believe in healing, and now we're going to behave according to how we believe, right? <laughs> Ten years later, I'm sitting right up the road in Camp Hill at one of our annual district pastor's meetings, 
And the missionary who had headed up that trip 10 years before was the guest speaker. And he starts telling this story. I had never met him. I didn't know him. He starts telling a story. He's like, 10 years ago, there were a group of young people, some of them from your district in your state here. And they went to Krasnoyark, Siberia. I was like, oh, that's cool. I went there. And they met and they did presentations in high schools. I'm like, oh, yeah, well, I did that. And the one and there was one group of them one day that ended up laying hands on a young girl named Olga. And I'm like, whoa, what's going on? And, and God healed her and she gave her life to Christ. And now, 10 years later, she's one of the leading missionaries across that part of Siberia. Right? Listen, listen, listen. When you choose to believe differently and when you choose to behave differently, that's epic. And your epic belief and your epic behavior has ripple effects that you know not how far they will go, Freedom Valley Church. You don't, you don't understand how one step of faith going outside of the boat that you currently feel safe in your life living in can make a difference on the other side of the world. There comes a point in your life where you have to look at your surroundings and say, you know what? I'm done living in the boat. I'm done being safe. I'm done being comfortable. I'm not better than any of the other disciples or any of the other family members or people that are living in the boat. I'm not better than you. I'm just built different. Get me out of the boat. I believe differently and I behave differently. Let me give you one more, Aaron. Come on, I'll bring the band up. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna go into some worship and prayer here. Okay. So Peter is built to believe differently and then he's built to behave differently. And here's my last point for you. He's built to behold differently. Cause, cause what happens is then, then Peter got down out of the boat. I'm in verse 29. He walked on the water. He came toward Jesus. Verse 30. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. He's just a normal dude here, friends. He's, I mean, he's just... When he walked into the dark classroom and saw the girl crying in the corner, he was afraid. Yeah, I know exactly how that feels, Peter. When you realize how far one of your own kids has fallen from grace, you were afraid. Uh-huh. When you look at the stack of bills that are unpaid and you were afraid. When you see how many of your friends are, have, have not come back to church you were afraid. When you looked at the finance report or you looked at the medical report or you looked at the doctor's report or you got the pink slip or you stepped out in faith to do something in your life that you've never done before and you wondered whether God would show up and you were afraid. This is Peter. This is me. This is you. This is all of us. He was afraid. And it's interesting because in verse 30, it says he saw the wind, which is which is really kind of crazy because you can't really see wind, but you can see the effects or the consequences of wind, can't you? And so Peter is, is seeing the storm. He was afraid. He began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, why did you doubt? Now let's pause here for a second. Because this response from Jesus seems overly harsh at first reading. I mean, like, I, I, I want to be like, Jesus, really? Twelve dudes in the boat. This is the only guy that jumped out of the boat. And you say to him, why were you afraid? Why do you have such little faith? Peter just tried to walk on the water. Everyone else is sitting with swimmies in the boat and you're yelling at him and telling him he didn't have enough faith. But, but when, you, when you read deeply into the text and you look even into the original language, you understand what Jesus is really trying to say to Peter. He's trying to say, Peter, you need to see this situation differently. And Peter, I know that you see the wind and you see the waves 
And because you're seeing the circumstances in which you're currently in, it's easy for you to get distracted. And when you get distracted, you lose your faith. Listen to me, friend. If the devil can't destroy your faith, he'll distract your faith. If the devil can't complete, if the devil can't keep you in the boat, then when you get out of the boat, he'll do everything he can to distract the steps of faith that you're beginning to take in your life. And so Jesus is, is in essence saying to Peter, Peter, listen to me. The same faith that it took you to get out of the boat is the same faith it will take you to sustain walking on water. That's a word for you. That's a word for this house. That's a word for your church. Pastor Candace, the same faith that it took you to step into the role of lead pastor years ago is the same faith it will take you to sustain what God's doing in this house. The same, the same faith it took you, Aaron, to be raised up from a deathbed is the same faith that it's going to take in order for you to continue to fulfill the calling of God on your life. The same faith. It's the same faith. Jason, the same faith that God told you to take stepping out of the boat to do what you're doing now is the same faith that God wants you to have to sustain the plan and calling on your life. This is true for every single one of us. If the devil can't destroy your faith, and keep you in the boat, then he'll do everything he can to distract you the moment you start walking on water. This is why I say you're built to behold differently. Because the only mistake that Peter really made is that he lost focus looking into Jesus' eyes. And for some of you, that's a word for you today. And for some of you watching online, that's exactly what's happened to you. You've allowed yourself to get caught up in all the circumstances of this world, what we are facing and have been facing, and, you, and, you, and, and, and in the process, you begin to sink. Now, thank God, even when you and I are faithless, if you're walking on water, Jesus is always close enough to just reach down a hand and pull you up. So he's never going to abandon you. But Jesus' instruction to us is this. When you believe differently, and when you behave differently, and when you behold differently, you maintain and sustain the faith that God has placed in you to accomplish what God wants to do through you. He's built to believe differently. He's built to behave differently. He's built to behold differently. And then the text ends here, and it says, They climbed into the boat, verse 32, and the wind died down. And then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Eyes on Jesus, F.E. Church. You'll make it through the storm. Eyes on Jesus, young adult. You'll make it through whatever storm you're in in your life. Eyes on Jesus, mom, dad, grandparent. You'll make it through the storm. Eyes on Jesus, the person who just stepped out in faith and started a business and you're an entrepreneur now you'll make it eyes on jesus pastor isaiah stepping into youth ministry for the first time in your life eyes on jesus you'll make it through the circumstances you'll make it through the storm eyes on jesus person who's suffering from from physical uh, conditions and needs a healing in your body eyes on jesus you'll make it through the storm you're built to behold differently and when you behold differently and when you see jesus as the son of god which is what happened in the text all of a sudden, everyone has a little worship moment right in the middle of the boat 
right in the middle of a storm that's just died down and they're like, truly you are the son of God. When you begin to see I'm built different and I'm built to believe differently and I'm built to behave differently and I'm built to behold differently, to see things differently, to see Jesus in my storm different than the rest of the world, all of a sudden you begin to realize he really is the son of God and he really is worthy of all my worship and it really is the, the answer to all of my problems is just to say, Jesus, you said come and so I come. So would you do this with me right here, right here in this house? If you're watching online, you can do this as well. Would you stand to your feet real quick? Come on, stand to your feet. Come on. And maybe maybe you're in a storm, right? Or, or maybe the Holy Spirit is convicting you and telling you that you, you don't believe the right things about yourself. You're believing the labels that other people have put on you. Maybe young people, young adults, older adults, maybe maybe the Holy Spirit's convicted you today. You've allowed loyalty to your friendships to create major limitations in your spiritual life, right? Maybe for some of you, it's as simple as I, I'm not behaving according to my beliefs, and so I'm standing in some kind of conviction today. If, if you don't know what that word conviction means, it's the Holy Spirit's way of, of, of speaking to you in your thinking or in your heart and telling you you're not in correct alignment with God. And maybe for some of you, it's I'm in a storm, and I need to see Jesus in the midst of my storm. The best way for us to deal with all of those challenges that, let's be honest, we all deal with, maybe some of you are dealing with all that, maybe just one, but the best way for all of us to deal with that is to say, wow, truly you are the Son of God, and I'm going to take my focus, and I'm going to get it off my storm, and I'm going to get it off my circumstances, and I'm going to put it on you. So would you do this with me? Even those of you that are watching online, those of you here in this house, would you lift your hands to heaven right now? Now, come on. Now, now I want to challenge you to do this. We're, I'm going to invite you to come to the altar and pray in just a moment. So prayer team, you can get yourself ready. But, but would you do this for me? Just, just I want you to take a step of faith here. Hands lifted high. And I want you to begin to pray. And I want you to pray about your situation. But more than pray about your situation, I want you to begin to, to give honor and give worship to God. And so if, if you're not familiar with what that could be like, because you don't have the words on the screen, right? It, it could sound something like this, like Jesus you're the son of God. Jesus, I worship you. Jesus, I bless you. Jesus, you're high above. You're far above all things. Jesus, your name is above all other names. Jesus, your name is the only name that I serve. It's the only name that I bow to. So right now, would you speak that out loud enough so that your own ears can hear what your mouth is saying, your, your own words of worship right now. So I'm, I'm just pushing it right now, but come on, right now, just begin to lift your voice. Just begin to lift your voice and begin to give worship to Christ. I don't even want you to pray about your situation or your storm right now. I just want you to worship. I want you to do what the disciples did in the boat. Truly, you are the Son of God. You're worthy of all my worship. And so come on, lift your voice with me right now. God, we love you. God, we worship you. Jesus, your name is high above all other names. There is no other name by which men may be saved. And so, God, we lift our voice to you. Come on, I challenge you right now. Speak loud enough that your ears can hear what your mouth is saying, the words you're declaring in worship and praise to Jesus right now. Come on, go right back in. Begin to worship him. Jesus, we love you, God. We lift our hands high. Our hearts are wide open to you today. But, God, we lift our voice in worship. We bless you, Lord God. There's no one like you. There's no name higher. And God, we lift our eyes above our storm. We lift our eyes above our circumstances. We lift our eyes above our challenges, above our situations. We lift our eyes above the questions that we have. Lord God, do you want us to worship you? Confirmed. You want us to lift our voice to you. God, do you have more for our lives? Confirmed. You have 
more for us? God, do you have more for this house? FB house, confirm there's more. There's more blessing. There was more anointing. And so, God, we lift you high on this day, God. Come on, another couple seconds of worship, and then we're going to pray. But another couple seconds of you just focusing all of your energy, all of your focus. Take your eyes off the world. Take your eyes off your debt. Take your eyes off your sickness. Take your eyes off your situation. Put your eyes on Jesus right now for the next couple minutes. Oh, God, we love you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on. Lift your voice. Come on. Come on. Lift your voice right now. Worship him. We love you, God. We worship you, Father. We worship you, Lord. Okay. All right. Now listen. Prayer team, would you come? I know you probably have different places where you stand across the front here, so I want you to prepare yourself so that you can minister to people. And there are probably many of you, is what my what my heart is telling me, that would say, man, God's, God is working on me through his word today. It's much more his word than, than what I said or what I spoke. It's his word, and God's working on you. And so for some of you, it's, it's man, I have really believed all the wrong things about myself. I've, I've believed all the labels that someone has put on me. I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to speak this over your life right now. God wants to strip away the labels that the world has placed on you. The labels of failure, the labels of loser, the labels of one who will never achieve anything, the labels of one who won't accomplish anything, the labels of one whose life won't mean anything. The devil wants you to live under that bondage, friend. I believe there's some of you today that as these preaching members lay hands on you, there's going to be a stripping away of what man has said over you, and there'll be a placing inside of you of what God has already declared over you. And so for some of you, that's what's going to happen today. For some of you, this is a a faith issue that finds itself in your behavior. So it sounds like this. I believe all this, but I don't actually actually behave all this. Like like I come to church and I I like it and I'm like, yeah, that's great, but I'm not always living it out. And today if someone prays for you, there's going to be a holy reckoning in your life of the Holy Spirit pointing out specific behavioral areas that need to change for you. For some of you, you're living in a storm and, and your life feels like you're in a small rowboat in the middle of a stormy lake like the disciples and you desperately need to know that Jesus is doing what Jesus always does when you and I are in a storm. He'll walk over stormy waters in order to get to you, to grab you by your hand, and jump into your boat with you to remind you, I'm with you. So you're here in the room and you say, man, I need someone to pray for me about one of those things. And maybe you don't even need someone to pray with you, but you just know that the step of faith for you is just to walk forward and to just abandon yourself in a moment of prayer and worship. I'm going to count to three. And for every one of you that wants someone on the prayer team to pray with you, one of the pastors, one of the team members here, for every one of you that just want to be closer to the front and you just know that the Holy Spirit's speaking to you saying, walk up there and just lift your hands in total surrender. On the count of three, I want you to come. Pastor Aaron and the team are going to lead us in some worship. We're going to pray with you. We're going to minister to you for the next couple minutes. One, two, three. Come on. Come right now. Come right now. Work your way up here right now. You say, I need someone to pray with me. I need someone to pray with me. I need freedom over labels that are my life. 
I need to abandon myself in worship right now. If you want a prayer team member to pray with you, you come right to one of the prayer team members. If you just want to come and you want to worship around the front, you just do that. But so come on. Come on, the rest of you, would you just gather around right now? Would you just gather around right now? And we're going to worship for just a couple minutes. I'm going to minister to some people today and pray with some people. My wife is going to minister to some people and pray with some people. But come on, lift your hands right now. And come on, lead us in worship, Pastor Aaron. Come on, let's bless the Lord.
morning. Some spirit in this house still wants to be released. And I think it has something to do with repentance this morning. Some of us in the room came dragging our feet a little today. Or with our head down in the presence of God. Jesus doesn't want that. In fact, he came to lift your head, to make you right with God the Father. But we have to participate in that. There's a participation that Jesus asked us for, and it's very, very simple. In fact, it's just repentance. It's just saying, Jesus, I believe, and I'm going to behave differently because of that belief. It's turning from the selfishness and the sin and saying, I'm sorry, Jesus. Some of us in this room still need to do that today. Maybe you've responded, maybe you're still at your seat, maybe you're watching at home and you're just saying, there's something in me that's desperate to say I'm sorry right now. I'm sorry. And maybe I'm not, I'm not even sure if I'm ready to give it up yet fully. Give it to Jesus. Just give it to Jesus today. Let him take it. Kneel before Jesus. Maybe, you know, you're at home, you're up here. Just get on your knees before Jesus and say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And sometimes we have to truly feel that little bit. We have to sit in the the grief of that selfishness a little to truly repent. Some of us need that moment today. So we're going to take just another minute before we move on from here, before we go throughout our week and just repent if that's what you need to do. If there's nothing in your heart that says repent today, just worship Jesus. Just worship him for who he is. Like Pastor Aaron said, just speak his Declare who he is. Take these next couple of moments to repent if you need to and to worship him. Let's do that now.
thing about repentance is there's freedom on the other side of that. There's hope again on the other side of that. God wants to bring joy and peace and hope back into you today. Just give it to him. Amen. So freeing when we can do that. We are built different. Hey, God is doing a new thing in Freedom Valley, a different thing. And I hope that you can leave here different today. Truly having spent time in his presence, getting free, right? We're going to leave this place different. We're going to go into this world and preach the good news. Preach the good news and bring him in. Father, we just, we thank you. We dedicate each and every decision made here to you. Thank you for doing something in us, something new and different. Thank you for moving in our lives and breathing your Holy Spirit. We receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please let us know by going to fv.church slash I am in. And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links. 